0: hi hi how's it going good good can you hear me all right yes okay all right it looks like video is all set up thank you so much for coming back for part two (laughs) i can't believe it um we were kind of talking about your experience in the labor camps when we last left off And we're filming right now. And so we could, if you're ready, we could just get right started and continuing to talk about that. What really struck me was the fact that you guys would literally carry the products that you were creating in these labor camps to the bathroom and then back because your quotas were so insane and strict. Uh, Can you just talk about how it feels to know that so many American products today are, from these labor camps in China and the connections there, because a lot of people do not understand.
1: Yes, I, I always feel so sad because, you know, people like me, like us, were making those products with tears and our blood. And that's why those made in China products can be so cheap because they have they don't have any labor cost. And American business and also business in other countries have to compete with this kind of product. So in the one hand, American businesses, workers are losing their business, losing their job. And on the other hand, they are, the Chinese Communist Party, they are making huge amount of money uh, because of these slave labor, laborers and people like, like us were staff, uh, staffed or you know, worked so hard that our health was, you know, damaged and uh, our life was wasted in there. And on the same time, because of the money accumulated by the CCP, the CCP now has this ability or this power to bully around in the entire world. They, they you know, they use money to buy off so many uh, countries to vote for them. You know, if anyone wants to say, hey, let's, uh, uh, pass on a, a resolution in the U- United Nations to condemn down the, the CCP's human rights abuses. But so many countries says, no, we, we can't do that. So we actually give the CCP the ability, the money and the power to abuse ourselves. That's the result. It's not just you know, how pitiful those uh, people like, like this, labor camp slaves are. I think everybody except the CCP is a victim in all this if we don't stop this. Mm.
0: Mm. Now, do you remember how old you were when you were first sent to the labor camp? And did they send you there with an amount of time that you had to spend? Or was it based on if they thought that you had been reeducated? How did you get out of that situation?
1: Uh, yeah, when they decide you to send to send you to a labor camp, yeah, they give you a so-called sentence, but the labor camp system is a totally uh, administrative one. So you don't have, there's no trial, no legal system to get through with. So a party member or uh, that is actually a government or administrative decision from the so-called labor camp committee that is usually under the political and legal committee of the Chinese Communist Party. And especially after or the crackdown of Falun Gong, they set up a special office called the 610 office, which is specialized in persecute Falun Gong. So they they gave me a so-called sentence, which says, you are to be there for one year. But in reality, it all depends on whether you uh, submit to them or not, whether you choose to be transformed or reformed or not. If you refuse to uh, write up, they they call, uh, sometimes they say three statements, sometimes they say say five statements. Anyway, if you don't uh, uh, transform as they expected you, you, they will just write up another one for you. So you, you are going to be hold there. Uh, Unlimited for unlimited time. But if you transformed and do a good job for them, if you help them transform others, you can be released ahead of time. So it all depends again on your thought. If you think together with the CCP, everything will be fine. If you don't, if you refuse to accept the brainwashing, you can be held there indefinitely.
0: Okay, so then how do they judge? if someone's thoughts are in line with them or not, did you see that most people would just say whatever was needed to get out? And would they try and trick the CCP into them thinking that they had fully been reeducated? Or uh, you know, did they keep their faith? Or were people actually transformed with this process? Did you see anybody actually get reeducated? <laughs>
1: Oh, there are so many different kinds of situations. You know, okay. there, I think what pains my heart is the CCP actually take advantage of Falun Gong peoples or Falun Gong practitioners' principles because Falun Gong uh, promotes truthfulness, compassion and the forbearance. So if you are really a serious Falun Gong practitioner, you are not actually supposed to take a little single line. That's how they they managed to to tell oh. whether you are Falun Gong practitioner or not, they just stop you on the street and ask you, "Are you a Falun Gong practitioner?" If they, if you say no, they they believe you are really not a Falun Gong practitioner because Falun Gong practitioner will not tell a lie. If you are telling a lie, you are not. So if they say this, you say yes, they just arrest you. So wow. when I remember, <laughs> well, that makes it yeah, easy for them. Yeah, and uh, and sometimes they want to stop you know Falun Gong practitioners in other provinces from going to Beijing to a for Falun Gong. You know. How can, how can they tell who is Falun Gong, who is not? They just stop anybody, they just uh, Maybe sometimes they put on a portrait of our the Falun Gong practitioners of uh, Falun Gong's founder, Mr. Li Hongzhi, his name. They put a portrait on the ground. So anyone who wants to get on a train or a bus, you need to uh, step on his uh, Portrait to get on the bus. If you refuse, you must be a Falun Gong practitioner. So they arrest you. Even if you are already on the train, they ask you to, to say nasty words, to say bad words. Then they know Falun Gong practitioners have principles. They don't smoke, they don't drink, they don't say nasty things against others. So they ask you to say very, very bad language. If you refuse, you, you are probably a Falun Gong practitioner. So when I was, uh, I think, in the in the prison for the second time, some other non Gong practitioners, they just couldn't understand. They said, why you guys are so stupid? Why don't you say you are not a Falun Gong practitioner? Then you won't end it up here. And how can I explain to them? Because and parents. we we can't tell a lie. If we tell a lie, we've already been transformed. So that's the logic. So that's how hard it was. So how can they tell you whether you are uh, transformed or not in the labor camp? They have, like I said, either sometimes three steps, sometimes five steps, step one, you need to write up a guarantee to say, I guarantee I will give up Falun Gong next, you need to write a long long essay to criticize Falun Gong and to tell others why you decided to give it up, why it is a evil cult and how uh, your thought changes and what you intend to do after you are transformed. And then you need to turn in all your Falun Gong books to the police. And uh, finally, that's the most difficult one. You need to help the police Sometimes to help uh, to to help the police to torture other Falun Gong practitioners to reform them to prove to the police that you have really really been transformed. So that's how hard, how high standard. They, is. they transform you from a peaceful man into a, somebody as bad as the police who are willing to beat other people, to curse other people, to help the police to do evil things. That's their standard of transformation. So that's why I saw many people they could not handle with all this kind of mental pressure. On the one hand, if they don't transform themselves, they could be tortured to death sometimes because they couldn't handle the pressure. Sometimes they, they say, oh, okay, I'll, I'll transform. And then you are asked to do those things and you can't you know, push yourself to that far. You are caught in the middle and then you collapse mentally. So I really uh, saw cases of people being driven into insanity because they couldn't handle all these different, you know, mental pressure. And sometimes they just didn't allow you to sleep. I saw a young lady of in her 20s became suddenly became insane after five days, even, three nights or no, no five days, four nights, no sleep and all continuously, they ask other people, they are in shifts, they are in a rooster, they watch over you to make sure you don't sleep. So after five days, four nights, non-sleep, she suddenly collapsed. She became insane. She didn't know who she was after that.
0: Wow. Now I, a few questions from that. First, I hear a lot of people, we we interview a survivor for every episode, and a common theme has been that their faith or their belief in something greater than themselves and a greater figure out there is what got them through the terrible moments when they were thrown in jail, when they were beaten or tortured, and when they were truly tested. Did you see that in yourself yourself? Did you feel like that happened and were you able to see any differences between how people who had a, a deep faith handled going through the camps versus more godless people or more people that maybe just didn't have a, a set of moral virtue?
1: Yes, I, I think definitely. People who don't have faith. I think in China the majority of people are atheists. Atheist, atheist. They don't believe in God because that how they were taught, and that how I was before I practiced Falun Gong. So if you don't have faith, you don't believe in higher beings or higher wisdom, you can only uh, say what's, you, uh, you only believe in what you can say in this world. World. You, then you, you will think the CCP is unbeatable and you'd better be to be practical, you you'd better make the police happy so you can be released. Ahead of time, so those kind of people, I think, are very easy to do uh, evil with the CCP or to follow the CCP. Or at least they don't have that kind of courage because the CCP is so powerful. Especially when you are already in the labor camp, in the prison, you have no rights whatsoever. You, uh, your mere survival depends on the whim. Uh, on on their thoughts. That's why the police hate fungal practitioners so much, because fungal practitioners don't uh, are not afraid of them. They are afraid of their gods of of their belief. They believe in something higher uh, than beyond this human world. So sometimes, even if you take away all my money, take away my job, even take away my life, I really don't care. That's why they hate Falun Gong so much because these people really don't care that much about how the CCP treats them or thinks about them.
0: Um, Now, this is more of a controversial question and I'm curious what your thoughts are on it. When you tell a story like how they prevented a young girl from sleeping for four nights, five days, and they just kept her up and it drives her crazy, what is the goal of these re-education labor camps? Is it just the fact that they, if they started killing people in massive numbers, they would get too much attention from the international community and actually start some big problems, but they're able to skirt under the radar a little bit and get away with it because all they're doing is really torturing and, and beating and mentally driving people crazy? Because I don't think that this is a way you make very solid figures for society. I mean, did they did they reform this young woman who was turned crazy and then send her back into society and she became a supporter of the CCP and a well-functioning member of the community? I highly doubt it. And so what is their goal if they're just trying to torture these people? And or is the other thing the fact that they thrive off of the slave labor that they get by sending people to the camps? What do you think is the big vision and purpose for why they do this? Because it, it honestly makes more sense why they would just, why don't they just kill their opponents?
1: Yes, I think this is a very, very big and deep question. Uh, for, the, for the individual Policeman, their goal is very, very simple because they have a quota to achieve. Their quota is they have to reform 95% of the Falun Gong practitioners in the camp. Otherwise, they, like I said, they would be fined, they would lose money, mm-hmm. and they can't, they can't even keep their jobs. So wow, okay. for their goal, if they want as long as they reform you, whatever method is workable, they, they adopt it. Whether you became an insane person or not, whether you became uh, uh, not useful to the society, you, you if you even if you died, they don't care as long as they keep their job, they keep their money. So for those individual, I think policemen, their goal is, is simple. They they need to achieve this goal. And for I think for many CCP officials, high level or low level officials, they were actually driven by this system, by all by their ideology, uh, to to carry out uh, what the party told them. And for the party itself, I think I do really recommend everyone to go read a set of book called uh, the a specter of communism is ruling our world. And and before that, there was another one called Nine Commentaries on Chinese Communist Party. And there was a theory which I think can explain everything very, very well. It says actually that communism is a specter. Uh, It's an evil being in other dimension, and uh, that is an individual specter controlling human beings in this world who think uh, same similar as this specter, or who has evil thoughts like theirs, so they can be easily controlled. So the goal of the evil specter of communism is not like every no more government in this society wants to build the society better, wants to build a better society, wants to have their people live a happy life. But the goal of the specter of communism is to destroy, to destroy mankind. And they are consisted of, you know, very negative elements and hatred. So hate, hatred is the most I think fundamental nature of the evil specter of communism. So if it is to destroy mankind, instead of building up a better society, even if it is the ruler of China, its goal is still to rule, to ruin, to destroy China, not to have Chinese people make a better society or a better life. So if you look at things from this angle, you will understand why they are doing all those kind of crazy things, irrational things and unbelievable things because their goals are different. Their principles are different. Everything of theirs is anti-humanity. So normal human being, can't really understand their mentality.
0: Okay, now something that we hear out of Cuba, I don't know if you've heard this, I love historical tidbits and and connecting the dots between different regimes around the world. So Che Guevara in the communist regime in Cuba, he purposely would invite family members to the political prisons and then have force the family members to watch their loved ones that were in the prisons be shot. And the intention with that was to make sure that the family members would leave traumatized and then spread that fear throughout the community because they'd go out and tell the story of what just happened to them. And it would build fear throughout Cuba to make sure that nobody else would ever want to do whatever those family members, people who had been killed, had done. Did you see that kind of tactic in China? did they hope that what they did to the prisoners, the torture, did they hope that that will spread and potentially suppress anybody from wanting to join Falun Gong or or really do anything against the CCP?
1: Yes, definitely. I think it's, it's also uh, happens differently in different circumstances. Sometimes they want to cover up what they do to Falun Gong practitioners so that they want to cover up. They know they know it's a bad thing. But sometimes, like you said, they want the family know because, so that they can spread their fear. And there is a true story, like they tortured a pregnant wife in front of her, her husband to make her husband and and also this woman to transform because they are both Falun Gong practitioners. So, and there's another true story of like they, they want to reform a Falun Gong practitioner who refused to be reformed and then they have 20 plus of his family's relatives all coming to the police station and have them all kneel down in front of these Falun Gong practitioners say, if you don't reform, all these people will lose their job. And at this stage, this was too much for this Falun Gong practitioner. So he submitted, he gave in. So they, they definitely want to spread uh, the fear. I also actually, the other day I heard from a very old lady. She's already 87 years old this year. And she told me a true story when she was young. The CCP, you know, when they executed people, they especially have young children. Young children, primary school children go watch it the process and the children are put in front of the adults. So this woman, she is very kind hearted. She told me when she saw those children were forced to watch the process of the so-called landlords or anti-communist bad guys being executed, it really broke her heart. Why should you submit young children to this kind of cruelty but that is what the ccp has doing in the society yes i think fear to maintain a certain amount of fear is very very useful for them for them to keep their power so they need to uh, create it maintain it and spread it if everybody everybody lives in fear they can control these people
0: wow wow i've I haven't heard that story before, but I've I've heard what they've done in other ways to manipulate kids. That's um, not surprising, unfortunately. So, you're in the labor camps. How did you get out? And and what's that story of you transitioning and, and really leaving this communist regime? I mean, how did you accomplish a feat like that?
1: Yes, I think for the my labor camp sentence was. So for the first half, for the first six months, every day I struggled to maintain my uh, sanity and try not to be reformed by them. And suddenly I remember very clearly in October 2000, that was six uh, six months after I was uh, arrested for the first time. I somehow, because I witnessed and I experienced too much, like I said, I on the first day, I thought I was, uh, you know, somehow transformed to the last concentration camp during Second World War. I couldn't believe this was 21st century. So after six months of witnessing as experiencing all these unprecedented crime, I suddenly developed a very strong impulse or a desire to write a book and tell my story, to tell what I see, what I experience in the labor camp to the entire world, because I know how huge this evil is and what it meant for the human history because I had some education. I look at the human history from, you know, a bigger angle. So I understand the importance. So after I suddenly um, developed that strong desire, of course, immediately I was faced with a dilemma. If I don't reform, I can never be released if I want to write this book, I have to be reformed. So that was a very, very hard struggle, mental struggle for me. I, this struggle itself to transform or not to transform, nearly killed me for another 1,000 times, it was worse, far worse That any uh, physical torture, electric shocks, slave labor camp I experienced before. And after a very, very long mental battle within myself, I guess more than a week or something, I finally forced myself to write a statement to promise them that I won't practice Falun Gong anymore. And then like I told you, I thought after that they would let me go. They would think I have I have been transformed, but the reality is not. So in the remaining six months in the labor camp, every day I had to struggle between, you know, not want to tell a lie and can't tell a truth, what can I say? And I have to write long, long essays to try to convince them that I have been reformed without betraying too much of my consciousness, of my conscience, of my principles. I still hold true in my heart. Sometimes I feel, after practicing truth, compassion, and forbearance for more than two years, betraying these principles is like killing myself. So I prayed, prayed for many, many times that I pray that no any other human being in the future would ever be submitted to what I was submitted anymore. That was too cruel. I think there were so many times I couldn't make peace with myself. I couldn't reconcile all these things. I couldn't convince myself what I'm doing is really correct. What I choose to do is not against my will. It's not doing more harm than good. And, and I can't discuss this matter with anybody because they have people surrounding me 24 24- even if i go to bathroom they have people follow me and watch all the process i have no one minute of privacy even if when i slept when i went into my dream i prayed don't let my dreams betray my secret because you know sometimes people speak while they dream because they The police, they they really want to find out what's really in my mind. I write something. I think for me, I've I've already sold my souls a thousand times, but for them, those things are still not enough. They still are not 100% sure whether I have been transformed or not. So every day, nobody knows how hard. The battles are. I have no friend, I have no people to discuss, to talk about, and I have to make all these decisions myself and uh, to battle with my own conscience and uh, to try to resist. the press press pressure, but at the same time, I want to convince them that I have been transformed, I I will not practice Falun Gong anymore, I will not do them any harm if they release me. So I do recommend everyone go get a copy of my book, Witnessing History, One Woman's Fight for Freedom, and Falun Gong, to really get to the details of how on every single step, I managed to stay sane and uh, overcome all the atrocities and survive all this, and still be able to talk to you today.
0: Wow! And and I ditto that. I completely endorse that. So we will put the link for everyone listening. The link to buy her book is going to be there um, in the description for YouTube on the video version. It'll be there as well. Um, And, and I'll definitely promote it on my own pages. I don't promote many books, but I promote really, really good books. And I, I believe everyone needs to read yours now. So you thought that if you spoke out and admitted that you had, you know, admitted that you had been changed in your heart, you would be let out, and they kept you there for another six months. You're saying, yes. Wow. And every
1: day, I, I need to, you know, convince them. They they've the process was so hard. They need to, uh, you know, test me, examine me again and um, again. I think if they have a machine that can test people's thoughts, they would definitely put that machine on my head. Maybe in the future, when the AI is developed enough, they would do that, definitely.
0: Okay, and so when it came around time for that one year mark, did they say you're gonna be released soon or how did you actually leave?
1: You know, even on the eve of my release, I was given another test. The, there, there was a young girl, I think she was only 18 years old or something. She was sent to the camp. That was her first night in the camp. And the police asked me to watch over her to make sure she did not fall asleep. Because that that became a standard procedure after October 2000 for anyone who was sent to the labor camp. As long as you don't uh, reform, you are not given sleep for however long you can hold down so when i was in the cape the longest record was 13 days or 15 days and 15 nights after i left there was another woman who break that record she managed to hold up for 42 days and nights no with sleep. no sleep no sleep 42 days and nights so, so I was given that task. You know, I feel so sorry for this girl. She was so young, only 18 years old. She was so scared. And my task was to watch over her. Because my role and the image, or I, my supposed role is a transformed family was willing to help the police do the evil who and believe from the bottom of my heart that Falun Gong is evil and it is a good thing to help the police to transform others. So I couldn't show any sympathy at hand because this is my last test and my last task to, to, to go through before I can be released. So I remember very clear. After a whole night of non-sleep in the morning, we were, you know, we were often asked to do, you know, military trainings in the ground, like we, we need to march like soldiers. So in the morning when we did our military style exercise in the morning, the girl was right beside me. And I walked together with, marched together with her. And I really didn't feel any happiness in my heart because I was going to be, I was told already I was going to be released on the day after, you know, I finished my last task. But I didn't feel happy at all because I, I thought to myself, what's the point of me getting released if her and all the others are still there? So that's how hard it was to earn your release from the labor camp. I I really don't know how others handle all this for me. Actually, after I was released, it was the local police uh, director who took me directly to the police station. I wasn't released to my home or my family and I was told inside the police station, because there are now too many Falun Gong practitioners. They can't, you know, uh, in prison, or there, there are no enough labor camps. So now they have set up many temporary, they call it law school or whatever uh, uh, name, so they put the rest of the practitioners in schools, hospitals, mental hospitals, whatever facilities they can find. They call them brainwashing, they, they call law study. Actually, they are brainwashing centers. And the police told me I was supposed to go to those centers and continue to be used as an example of reform and to help them to reform the others if I don't. I, can, I will be sent back to the labor camp counted, and I will be counted as have not been reformed yet. So that was the so-called release and I. Will, that was the situation. So I, at that stage, I felt I would rather die than go back to be continued, to be used as a reform example and to continue to do what they want me to do. So after one year of separation from my family, from my daughter, although I wanted to stay with them so much, I had to escape again, only five days of my release. So I was in hiding since then, only five days I escaped. I I hid in Xinjiang province actually and I wandering around in the country, try not to be caught. And at the same time, I started writing my book because I actually had started writing it in my mind, in my head every day while I was in the labor camp. I tried to remember as much as I can. Whenever I heard something, I tried to ask them around so that I can write as detailed, as truthful a book a memo as I could. So every day after I finished writing, because I I knew the place was after me, I erased all the records from my computer. I copied them onto At those time, we are still using this little floppy disk. I copied the content onto two floppy disks. I hide them somewhere. I was preparing that I could get arrested anytime. And every several days, I sent what I've already wrote to a relative in New Zealand and I asked her if she lost contact with me for more than ten days. I, I asked her to try to publish what I whatever how much ever I've already written on my behalf. If so, that's how. The, the first half of my book was written under that kind of circumstances.
0: Wow. And, and so in, at the same time, did you try and start applying for, for status in a country that could take you out? Or what was your game plan? My
1: game plan is I actually didn't have any plan while I was in the labor camp. I didn't have a visa. I didn't even have a passport even. So, but I only knew I wanted to go out of China because that is the only possibility when I, uh, that I can have my book published and I can survive and I can tell my story to the world. So I think the good thing is I speak English and I somehow from the English literature I wrote uh, in from my childhood, I thought and I knew that I can trust Westerners. So I try to you know, go to those tourist sites like the Great War of Beijing and I try to uh, share my story to several Westerners. And I met an Australian couple who went to China to study, uh, to teach English. Uh, and I also met an American professor from the University of Arizona. She took a group of students on exchange in some kind of program with a university in China. So I told them my story and how desperately I needed to leave China and I told them I was writing this book. And both the, uh, this uh, Australian couple and this American professor agreed to help me and I was so grateful that both they tried so hard to get me uh, invitation. So the Australian invitation arrived first. So I was able to get a three month you know, business visa uh, to visit Australia. Uh, and on the, on the, actually the next day of my arrival in Australia, uh, the, the invitation later from the Arizona University also arrived and offer me, offering me a job actually, a position in the university to, uh, to, to work as an assistant to teach Chinese language. But at that time, I was already in Australia. So I applied for a business, three months business visa, uh, applied for asylum in Australia, and I was lucky to uh, be granted refugee status. By Australian government two years later. So that's basically how I escaped. until uh, till today I'm still very very grateful to the people who helped me escape in China.
0: Wow, wow! I I thank them very much. And what have you done since then? I mean, now you're you're free and you're in Australia. You're protected were you still nervous that anybody could come after you or is that not a, a real concern? And then what did you start to do? Did you start to track your life and, and plan out the launch of the book and and how you're going to live your life now as a free woman?
1: Yes, of course. Uh, the first thing after I uh, escaped uh, China and arrived in Australia is to to seek a site to uh, hand in my refugee application. And I also started contacting media uh, to tell them my story. And I at the same time I continue to write my book. So my the Chinese uh, version of my book was uh, published and I was lucky to find a publisher in Taiwan, which agreed to publish my book. So my the Chinese version of my book was published uh, in January 2004. And also, I think many fellow Falun practitioners in Australia, they helped me to contact the media to tell my story to the media. So I remember the first report about my story was published in December 2000 in Cinnamon Herald. And then after that, I sometimes got invited to speak in the media. So once while I was telling my story in Australian, I think ABC Radio, a publisher, an editor from the Australia's largest publisher, she heard my story from the radio and she heard me saying, I'm writing a book. So she got very excited, she uh, immediately went to her boss to say, oh, we have to get this book. This woman is so great, she's writing the book. So they contacted me and asked me whether I found an English uh, publisher. Uh, So that's how actually I found my publisher. So I was very lucky they found me. Uh, And I told them I was writing in Chinese and uh, I, I didn't expect and they they would go and they would say, oh, no, no, uh, no problem. If you are writing in Chinese, just send us the first chapter in Chinese. We will find someone who understands Chinese to access it, to see whether it is good enough. If yes, we can have people translate it into English and publish it. So I sent them the first two chapters in Chinese and they got The someone actually she became the translator for my book later uh, read those two chapters and she wrote a very good report to the publisher for them to decide to publish my book, so they later told me it was the first time in their publishers history that. They, pu- they decide to publish a book. One, they don't understand, two uh, have not been uh, finished yet three, I forgot the three items. So, so that was a very real case for, for them to decide to publish the, my, my book so i so in this sense i was very lucky so the english uh, version of my book was published in 2005 by NM and now when they are actually the original publisher of the lord of the lord of, uh, of ring the book the very famous book wow. that was made into a movie later so and in 2006 they found the american publisher. So there is an American edition of my book published in 2006 as well. So that's basically my story. So after I finished uh, writing my book, I, I I continue, I keep on speaking to, to the media and I was for, also worked. Uh, for for the media, for newspaper, for TV station in, in Chinese first. And then I think from 2018 I started to work for the English speaking media uh, because I always think uh, the way uh, the best or the most effective way to help people in China is to uh, expose the truth, expose the atrocity of the CCP and uh, expose the true nature of the CCP and help more people to recognize uh, their true nature so that people can work together and uh, stand up to the CCP. And I hope ultimately this evil specter of communism will be eliminated and people can be free of
0: their harm and atrocity forever. Wow, well, thank you so much. And I I definitely suggest everyone go get the book. But on top of that, I mean, if you could close us out by letting us know what you're doing today and how we can stay in touch with you, how we can keep up with your work, how we can support you. And do you have any suggestions? What's an immediate action item that all Americans listening to this can do to help support your mission today?
1: yes uh thank you very much for for asking that question i have my own website which is jennifer zeng Blog, one word jenniferzengblog.com so i uh, i my my the links to my book and all my previous years writing are in in that website and also as you say in my background i have a youtube channel called inconvenient truths by Jennifer Zeng. So I do regular uh, programs about China affairs and also my insights on China affairs to offer uh, what I know about China and people have very, very good feedback on my shows because I'm faster uh, than most of Western media about China things and I offer my unique analysis and my comments and my insights on chinese affairs and i offer them firsthand uh uncensored information of the the two events that is and so i do regular updates uh sometimes twice a week sometimes three times a week and i i plan to uh to do a membership you know promote membership for my Uh, program and my website so people can support me by joining the members, sign up to the membership of my channel because we need to fight against the big tech uh, censorship. I feel very, very sad and that because of the infiltration of the Chinese Communist Party, I think many bad things I encountered in China have been imported or exported to America too, so I got censored very heavily on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter. Also, uh, of course, I have also have my Twitter account. If you Search for my name, Jennifer Zeng. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, on Facebook. I'm on all uh, major uh, social media platforms. I regularly uh, share uh, news about China, and sometimes about my insights. So I do encourage everyone to get a copy of my book, as well as the book I mentioned, Nine Commentaries on Chinese Communist Party and the evil, the specter of communism is ruining really my heart. And follow me on my social media accounts and uh, sign up to the membership of on my website, and uh, you can get regular updates about what's happening in China. I promise you, this is uncensored and firsthand, faster, better than um, than many of the so-called mainstream media. uh, Of course.
0: And, and we'll be sure to link the website and your socials into the description as well. Um, what's that uh, immediate action item that you suggest for Americans in terms of holding China accountable, helping the people that are still there? Uh, what would you say?
1: I think first of all, we need all educate ourselves and to learn the the real evil and the real nature of the communist party. And especially know their tactics of infiltration in the Western countries. And we need to speak out and we need to tell our media, our government, our house of of representatives about what we know uh, about the CCP. And we need to stand up and fight against all these infiltrations of the communism and I need to take back our country from the infiltration of the CCP and I think everyone can tell at least one another person about what you learned from me today and everyone can at least uh, make one phone call to your house to your your representative in your area, and maybe tell the media what you say or share them on the website. I think we really do need to stand up together against the evil specter of the communism. Otherwise, their uh, ambition is to take over the world from the become the new leader of the world. I actually recently shared a speech by a very famous CCP uh, national advisor so if you look up, uh, he he said 10 benefits of taking back Taiwan. So one of the benefits is they can become the number one of the world. They can beat America after they take back Taiwan. So I think we need to uh, be be aware of what is happening and we really need to fight hard, Uh, otherwise what I suffer could become what you and your children, your children's children will suffer if we don't fight hard today.
0: Wow, well, thank you. I couldn't agree more. And I hope everybody out there understands how important this is for not just the people that are currently in China, but for America's future as well, and the future of the world. Because we've got a lot of problems and a lot of them stem back globally to the CCP. Uh, Jennifer, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for doing two episodes with us. We, we really appreciate it. And uh, we wish you the best. And we just can't thank you enough for for joining us and for taking the time to share your story and, and doing the work that you do. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. All right. So we'll wrap it there. Thank you so much. We're, we're so thankful. And, and we'll share all the links. We'll promote everything. We'll try and sell some books. And, and we'll get the word out. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a nice day. You too.